Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Fettles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience today for joining us as we, uh, as always, uh, tackle issues uh, regarding uh, getting broadband to all the places it needs to be in uh, the U.S. Um, lately, uh, a couple things that have been coming to the forefront in uh, discussions about broadband has been the recent announcement by AT&T that they plan to um, offer some $14 billion in uh, infrastructure upgrades and so forth over the next couple of years, and which is sort of the good news theoretically in public, but then at the same time they're beginning efforts to attack key uh, regulations that will either protect consumers or um, enable or at least try to facilitate uh, broadband and telecommunication services getting out to unserved and underserved uh, rural communities and small towns. So I figured it is time to take a look at um, not just AT&T's actions, but actions that are being taken by a number of the larger companies that go to, uh, to, to getting rid of regulations that are at the heart I feel, of getting uh, broadband into some of these uh, key communities that need it. So to um, shed some some light on this uh, subject, I uh, brought on today as our guest uh, Bruce Kushnick, who uh, has written a number of articles talking about uh, the the realities of what some of these uh, efforts to, to kill regulations, what they really mean, for those of us who are advocating for uh, community broadband. And uh, Bruce is executive director of the uh, uh, New Networks Institute and has been actually involved in the telecom space for a uh, quite a few years. So, Bruce, welcome to the show, and thank you for being here today. Thanks, uh, and, and hello out there. <laughs> Thanks for inviting so, me. Yes, uh, it's uh, it's been interesting, you know, what's what is happening as of late. I think probably one of the most interesting uh, things to come down the pike, the stuff that you wrote about in the recent uh, Huffington Post article, is the seeming, you know, benevolence, if you will, of uh, spending all this money for infrastructure while at the same time trying to attack uh, key regulations uh, via their efforts within the FCC. So let's start with um, what's the nature of uh, the, the conflict here? What's really happening with this? Uh, these dual efforts, one to announce upgrades, but at the same time uh, attacking um, rest- uh, regulations on the books that uh, seem to be very pro-consumer. Right. Well, just the, uh, there's been a, there's been a, been a group uh, a group called ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, and they work with AT&T and Verizon to create model legislation that's been designed basically to strip away regulations on the state level. And they have gone state by state and have gotten 23 states to remove regulations, which include everything from carrier of last resort, where the customer where the phone company no longer has to serve the customer anymore if your phone service goes out. They could basically say, thank you, but we're not going to fix it, um, to getting rid of basic, basic rules like common carriage where the phone companies can't go out and examine the bits that you're sending. And essentially what's going on now is AT&T has taken this story. And by the way, this is all draped in a sort of bogus discussion called Internet Freedom. 
the they 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 use the term you know VOIP should not be regulated. VOIP is, is an information service that basically is it replaces regular phone service. Um, however, when you when you use VOIP and uh, basically as an information service, and you try to get it across to remove all the regulations across the United States, um, it really is more about the in, the freedom for the phone companies to get rid of regulation than it is about new technologies. The, the, so the story right now is that AT&T and Verizon, AT&T has filed at the FCC on November 7th to basically say that, A, we're spending a lot of new money on, the, on um, infrastructure and wireless services, and B, because we're spending this new money, you should basically remove all regulations on us that basically constrain us. And this is the identical uh, piece of legislation that happened in the in the states. It also it also is going to be a um, come up in Congress in February, where AT and T is going to say uh, basically remove all regulations and we'll build out. Now the issue really here is AT and T claims that they are spending going to spend 14 billion dollars, as you mentioned, um, basically to upgrade their networks. This is pure fiction. First, the history of, of broadband in America is that, cust that the phone company has gone almost every time it wanted to do a merger or every time it wanted state laws to change and said, hi, we'll build out the networks. If only you give, get rid of regulations that you know, control our profits or control our ability to, control, <laughs> to take control over the, over the wires. In this case, AT&T is claiming that it's going to spend $14 billion. When we did the numbers, Actually, AT&T isn't spending $14 billion. It's just the hype. They're spending about less than $5 billion over a three-year period, and it's nothing more than an 8% increase on what they would already spend anyway. So what they're doing is they're – and two, they, for most people who don't know, AT&T and Verizon combined only have upgraded TV homes to 9 million homes. So they have not been upgrading the networks, even though they've been collecting billions of dollars per state over the last couple of decades to go out and upgrade the networks. And in fact, this thing with AT&T essentially is nothing more than a bribe. Hi, if you, if you go out and remove the regulations, we will, of course, spend this money. But the truth of the matter is, is the regulators have been fooled. Even the media has been fooled, and they haven't bothered to examine the actual numbers of how much money AT&T is going to actually spend. And we got this, by the way, not not from some magical magical uh, you know cauldron. We got this from basically their own SEC filings, because basically, if you just look at how much money they have been spending based on the numbers they've been quoting, it's a very straightforward mathematics where <laughs> it's it's literally nothing more than just hand waving. We're spent, they're mm -hmm. going to spend a little more than they usually do, but it ain't a big deal. Mm -hmm. Now, it's, um, it's interesting. You, know, we, you and I were talking before the, the show started, and I mentioned that I got into the um, community broadband uh, issues back in 06, I'm sorry, 04 and 05 when Philadelphia was fighting Verizon for the right to build a municipal wireless network. And one of the interesting facts that came out of that um, whole battle was that Verizon <clears throat> had promised the state of Pennsylvania, I think something along the lines of $6 billion, or, or I'm sorry, they requested uh, the equivalent of $6 billion over some number of years in benefits uh, based on the promise that Verizon would make broadband, you know, as it was measured back then, uh, available throughout the state. 
So it sounds like what you're describing AT is doing is taking to the national level what incumbents have been doing at the state level for for quite some time. Is that a fair so the story, was, the, the story, the story in the United States is as follows: in 1991, uh, in 1991 during the Al, when Al Gore and uh, Bill Clinton were running for vice president and president, Al Gore said there should be an information superhighway, and everybody in America should have a fiber optic wire to their home, and they get to choose their own provider, and it would all be done by the year 2010. Mm-hmm. Then the phone and there was a debate whether the, the government should pay for this or the phone companies should pay for this. And the phone companies raised their hand and said, "Hi, we're out here. We'll do this if only they change state regulations to give us more money, and we will use that money for construction." And it was a pure fiction in almost every state. In the case of in the case of New Jersey, which we've tracked next to Pennsylvania. Uh, New Jersey collected $13 billion from 1992 to 2009 to upgrade, their fi- to upgrade everybody to a fiber optic wire. And in New Jersey, they have a timeline that they basically said that the entire state was supposed to be finished with 45 megabit services in both directions by the year 2010. In the state of Pennsylvania, there is a law that said that the entire state should have been finished, entire state, 100%, should be finished by the year 2015. And what happened in, in Pennsylvania was because all of the uh, because the original law defined broadband as 1.4 uh, mega, uh, megabits per second, the, the, they decided that they wouldn't hold the company accountable for the 45 megabits, even though uh, the company's uh, own documents stated that the, for, that the speed would be 45 megabits in both directions and it would be based on fiber. So today, all of Pennsylvania basically had a bait and switch. Except for areas where they've upgraded to uh, the, the you know Verizon's product FiOS, the entire all of the other people paid for about three thousand dollars a home a service they will never get. This happened in every AT and T state, by the way. This happened in mm-hmm. in uh, Connecticut. This happened in Illinois. This happened in Ohio. This happened in California. Um, and what they did was they went to the state regulators and say, oh, please, we need all this money because if we have the money, we'll do construction. And they didn't do the construction. They just pocketed the money. Right. And so, so the, the net of this being full, right? I mean, on, on, on we lose um, revenue. The states lose revenue, in essence, the gift to the, the incumbents. But on the other hand, it also tends to stop alternative efforts into putting broadband into place because if a state legislature goes for the okie doke, as my uh, stepdad would say when we were kids, if you go and fall for the okie doke, then you're going to not support someone who says, well, you know, if you gave communities, you know, 10% of that amount, we'd build our own networks and they'd be faster. I mean, in essence, if the state legislature just kill it, based on, well, you know, AT&T said they're going to help us. Verizon said they're going to help us. Right. The, uh, in the state, my take, on, my take on community broadband has been that the communities should go out and take these people to court for the monies that were already collected. And the reason mm-hmm. they should do that is because, essentially, in many states, it's on the books that they actually were overcharged, i.e. that the state actually charged these people for services. And in one clear example of this is New Jersey, where there was actually a show cause order done in May of, uh, in March of 2012, where two small communities in the middle of New Jersey, um, who basically have really crappy regular phone service, were never upgraded. 
and the state mm-hmm. has to, Verizon to show cause. No state has ever gone after the money or examined how much money the company's collected and take it and actually done anything about the actual payments, which are now built into rates currently today. The, 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 all, the, the, every state changed the laws to give them more money, and over the last two decades, they've added more increases. And so the actual the question for for municipalities should be how much money did you actually did they actually collect that they basically pocketed, and how much money could, should the should the uh, communities get for all of the all of the twenty years that they've been doing this this scam? Now you have to understand a lot of right now Verizon and AT and T have said that they are going to well at least Verizon has said that they are not going to upgrade the networks at all, and that basically they're going to abandon the old copper wire. In the case of AT&T, they said pretty much the same thing, that basically at least 25 to 50% of the state is not going to get the TV service. AT&T controls 22 states. But the real kicker is that basically um, those those areas are going to be abandoned, that they're going to be almost shut off. And one would think that the communities in those areas, because it's it's, it's 50% of the United States, these guys would start screaming and yelling, what do you mean you're going to shut us off? You know, wh- where's all the money that you guys supposedly collected? Why aren't you delivering services? So a lot of a, many communities have woken up to this fact, you know, that, that they hadn't been wired, and that they, but they really don't understand that they should have been wired, and they actually, in many states, paid for the uh, paid for the wiring. So my feeling <laughs> is, is there needs to be a proactive attack uh, by the municipalities that are going to be shut off, of course. By those who are not being have not been upgraded, and also the question is is you know what's being what's really being done in the upgrades. The simple mm-hmm. example is that AT and T's U-verse goes over the old copper wires, and when they actually add U-verse, they actually reclassify it as an information service, and they then get rid of all regulations and don't count it as a phone line. So you have a situation where in 22 states, AT and T has never properly upgraded the networks ever to fiber. They collected, oh, I don't know, $100 billion or more for, for the AT&T portion of the United States for networks they didn't upgrade. And now, they keep, now they're telling everybody they're going to close down the networks because they can't afford to do the upgrades. But this mm-hmm. is genuine, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Now, how can uh, communities fight this? I mean, one of the, one of the questions that uh, I got via, via Twitter from uh, Philip, who who edits the uh, Stop the Cap uh, newsletter, sure. you know, it's like, well, what happens when rural customers, uh, you know, can't get good coverage? And that's what happens when they wake up to find out that all this stuff has gone away. You know, I mean, what? Well, my my, my take now is that there has that now. My take now is, uh, yeah, my just so you know, there will be a bill in Congress. Uh, the beginning of next year to close down all of the regulations on the phone networks, and which is the same thing that's going on at the FCC and the same thing going on in, in the states. And my feeling is, is it's time for the it's time for basically a new a new gang of people to start screaming and yelling, um, mm-hmm. and that basically we should we shouldn't let them dictate the services that they uh, aren't giving us because they even though we because we paid for them. And the mm-hmm. uh, the bottom line for, for all of this, I think, is that we have to sort of we have to basically stop the bullies who basically have decided that, that this is their ball and they're not going to let us play with it. Instead, actually, it's our ball. It was a utility, and, the, and maybe it's time to go back to being a utility. See, the one thing about a utility that's very interesting is, it, is nobody's going to pay for 
rewiring whole areas of the United States. It's just it's just not going to happen so fast. And and so right. so communities have stood up and said, all right, we're going to do our little share here and there. But the truth of the matter is, is for the rest of the United States, most of the communities basically aren't that tech savvy, um, don't understand the issues. And as we've discovered in talking to a lot of the communities, they think that sooner or later the phone companies will treat them nice. <laughs> it's, it's, I call it Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> where, where, the, where the people are sitting there going, oh, they're going to be good to us. Really? You know, we should trust them. And my take on this is, is we've already trusted them multiple times, and they haven't come through. So now you think, now you think they're going to be good to you this next time because they say they are? Um, just so you know, I, have, I wrote two books on this topic, uh, both of which are free and up on the web, about how much money they collected by state and how much money and the whole history of how this all went down. Um, because my feeling right now is that we are at war with, with the companies at, because they have declared war on the United States. With Alec and with AT&T and Verizon, they are now going to go – they went to the FCC to get rid of regulations, and they will be going to Congress. And at this point – and, and so in, in your state, if they've outlawed municipality broadband, they're going to do this in every state. They're going to basically mm -hmm. say, you know, it, the networks are either being closed or they're now information services, no longer telecommunications related, and they don't have to offer you service. In the state of Mississippi, they've actually gotten rid of the carrier of last resort meaning that if you, if you call for service, they can say sorry, um, which is unbelievable. It, it, it violates the Telecommunications Act of 1934, which basically said that all customers are entitled to service at, at uh, fair and reasonable prices. And, that, and, and you have to understand, they, everybody talks about this thing called the PSTN, the Public Switch Telephone Network. The Public mm -hmm. Switch Telephone Network is nothing more than the wire in your home or your office. It was it was designed for all services, including broadband, internet, and cable. And this happened. And this definition of the PSTN was changed in the 1990s. What's going on now is every AT&T has been able to convince the media to say, "Oh no, no, it's only about phone service, and we only count the lines about phone service. Anything that's a data service, we're not counting anymore." And they get away with this. For, mm -hmm. for example, when they tell you they lost all these lines, they've been reclassifying the lines. They haven't lost all the lines. In fact, if you go check basically the FCC's last piece of data, there were more data lines than there were phone, uh, regular voice lines, and those data lines weren't counted. So mm -hmm. we have no idea how many lines they've actually have and have lost. And when they and they've been reclassifying all the phone lines that get changed over to VOIP i.e., when they make it a, a digital voice, they no longer count it as a line. So mm -hmm. we, you know, the first thing that should happen is, is they should give us a full accounting of all lines. The second thing that should happen is they should give us an accounting of all of the monies and all the flow of monies. One of the findings that we had, which should scare the crap out of everybody, is that Verizon created all these separate, and AT&T created all these separate subsidiaries, such as uh, broadband, internet, uh, long distance. And those subsidiaries are still dumping expenses into the utility, and then, they call, and then they say we're losing money and raising rates. And at the same time, the, the affiliates are getting the revenues and the profits, which don't go back to the local phone utility to upgrade it. And so even the, even the wireless company is doing this, where they're actually charging customers today for building out the wireless networks, which is illegal. Because basically, it's, you're not supposed to charge a, regular, a regulated phone <laughs> subscriber for a wireless service that they'll never get or use. So my feeling is, is you know, the, the idea of holding them accountable has to start with 
getting senators and congressmen to actually stand up and say, you know, where's all the money going? Where's all the how many lines do you really have? And basic questions that are are not being asked by the FCC. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we get people educated so they even know what's happening? I mean, you and I are in the business, obviously. Uh, but, you know, you walk through the, to the average person in the street, or you can even walk up to the average elected official in, in you know, in some of these small towns. Right. How do you bridge the knowledge gap? Because, I mean, people just, to, to my view, just don't even know. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know what's going on, you know, the, the kinds of stuff you described. So it seems like it demands an education effort, but how do you get that education across? Uh, right now, uh Right now, I, I'll just give you a surprise. We're actually starting a new a new gang of people in the beginning of next year to do this fight, and I'm hoping that everybody listening is uh, going to you know listen more to the to these podcasts and learn more about what they can do. But as of next year, we will start a whole campaign to educate the municipalities, the the citizens on all levels. Because you know it's funny. Most people say when they have a wireless phone, oh, this is satellite. And they don't know that there's a wire that's connecting that, that wireless phone, for example, to the networks, and it's really so the people who control the wires control the price of your wireless service. They don't get that part. And there are other disconnects, like they think that the public switch telephone network is only phone service. It isn't. And they don't know that they've been ripped off or that the, uh, uh, how much money has been collected in their state and what happened to all the money. So my feeling is, is there has to we in the in, uh, as you're doing and as you know as I'm doing, we need to start creating a sort of educational campaign um, where mm-hmm. we basically tell people how bad they actually gotten screwed. My position now is that this is the worst moment in telecommunications history because it removes all basic regulations that have been here for uh, at least 80 years. And while the, people say, oh, we need new regulation, the answer is, is no. We need to have the actual regulations that were already on the books enforced, and we need to reopen the networks to real competitors. And we need to let municipalities, uh, if the phone company isn't going to serve them, um, either get the money back from the state or you know, raise their own money and build these networks. Because the truth of the matter is, is America is 15th in the world in broadband, as, you, as most people probably know. Our speed average in the United States is only 6.6 megabits, regardless of all the hype. Um, and, you know, the cable companies say that their networks are 100 megabit capabilities in both directions. The answer is no, they're not. If they were, who, would, who has the service? Point to, point to a customer. AT&T, for example, in its hype, says that they're going to give that, make that old copper wire go back to 75 megabits, uh, which is, you know, at this time almost three times as fast as it currently goes. And the truth of the matter is, is the copper can't do that, not, not everywhere and not easily. And it's only right. going to be fast in one direction. And I, I, the funniest, I'll give you a funny one. The people in Silicon Valley who are based, the whole AT&T network is based on copper. Copper can't do the speeds to do uh, cloud computing because the up speed is too slow. And these guys are sitting around going, no, cloud's the future. And the, and the answer is this, no, cloud's not the future. Or you have a bunch of the, of the, the companies with so, these people have, you know, tens of millions of dollars to fight basically people, <laughs> people like us. And they, you know, they want to close down pretty much the wireless, anything that's Wi-Fi or open, open, uh, open spectrum. They don't want that. That, that, you know, that may actually have competitors. 
It scares right. them. Right, and, and, and that's the <laughs> and that's the more recent, uh, as in today. I mean, I just saw a, a tweet clip by here not too long ago talking about um, they are now trying to get the FCC to back down off of reserving spectrum for Wi-Fi. Right. Which, you know, at one level, I mean, besides forgetting just the fact, you know, the sheer issue of, um, you know, trying to squash a, a fairly productive technology, you know, so if you think of so many things that have been created because of Wi-Fi, it seems like they're also, well, at least from the cellular company's perspective, are screwing themselves because um, their networks can't handle all the data traffic that iPhones and all this new generation of devices are pushing over the network. And so Wi-Fi provides an outlet. I mean, it basically is a pressure valve to take some of that traffic that they can't support off of their networks, yet they seem to want to kill that outlet rather than to let it, you know, continue to do its thing and, and provide some relief from, uh, you know, for, for, for consumers. Right. Well, I, my, feeling, my feeling is that these guys are just greedy. And they want to close down anything that, that they believe is competition. They don't want – I mean, let me give you a perfect example. The wire in your home, uh, if you have a broadband service currently, and let's say you have Fios or Uverse or one of the you know, AT&T or Verizon service, you can't pick your own Internet provider. You can't pick your own broadband provider. You pay for the wire upgrade, but you can't use the, you can't use your, the services that you want. And, and, and also, in some areas, if you're sitting there listening to this on, you know, on a slower speed, guess what? You've paid for that wire to be fiber optics. You paid for it to be 45 or 100 megabits in both directions. And you got what speed? <laughs> you know? You're exactly. Like, like, right. And so my and feeling is, is most – Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, well, maybe, the, you know, part of, you know, we talk about this education effort – you know, rather than maybe to climb the, the the hill of trying to teach people about technology, maybe it's, 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 it's the uh, effort should be teaching them about, you know, general fairness. You have paid for a service, regardless of whether you understand the difference between a megabyte and 45 megabits, you know, right. is irrelevant. The fact is you have paid as a taxpayer for services that were promised in, re, in, in exchange for those subsidies, and yet here we are 10, 15 years later, and, and no one's delivered. It has basically been legislative bait and switch. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here in state after state. It, it, Am I it, correct? It, it, right. It's, 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 actually, it's actually a little a – little, you got it right except for one thing. It isn't just the taxpayer. It's the, the customer of the network, the phone company, mm. the customer mm-hmm. of the actual – it, you know, we also pay just to, just so you know, we also pay billions of dollars extra to the gov that the government basically is uh you know to that the government is paying out to these companies as well. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. issue of universal service. I'm for everybody getting wired. My hand, you know, I de- I demand that everybody gets wired. I also don't demand that basically the companies get to make that as a new profit center, where they basically get to you know. Uh, not ca- account for all services over that wire that's being subsidized. I.e., today, if you're basically uh, if you have some broadband service and the company's getting subsidized, the revenue for the broadband service doesn't show up as part of their accounting. So therefore, they can say, "Oh, we're losing all this money on this wire." <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. So yes, it's indeed. it's it's a it's not just a ba- it's actually a bait and switch tied to a manipulation of the data as well as a shell game of where the monies are. Because right. in, all of these, in all of these cases, not only didn't they build, 
but they also have been manipulating the data so that you wouldn't know that they, you know, what happened. And you also, there's no accounting of it anymore. Just so you know, the FCC has stopped at, stopped requiring basic accounting information from the phone companies as of 2007. The SEC does not require the companies to file separate state annual reports so you don't know what happened in your state. And the public service commissions are not, are, do not go look at all revenues coming over the phone wire. So you have zero accountability because they've basically put things in different buckets so that the money doesn't show up in one place and nobody's looking at the entire, bu- the entire revenue. So from mm-hmm. my perspective, you know, and, and it's, I know, you know, accounting is, uh, you know, they got, they got uh, Al Capone on, by the IRS. It might be that the only way to take these guys down is to actually go after their accounting, because the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is, is what, what if they if you saw that it was a bait and switch, the FCC should have those those numbers available. We should be able to see how many how much money was spent where, and especially since they're still utilities, they still own essential infrastructure. Nobody else is going to build entire networks because uh, it's not affordable to go out and replace everything, especially with rights of way and all that other stuff. And these guys basically have gotten the benefit of uh, our largesse. I mean, I don't know if most people know this, but they also had a whole, built an entire international uh, um, international business based on uh, local phone company monies. They built the wireless uh, networks based on uh, transferring assets out of the local phone companies to pay for the stuff. I mean, this is not coming out of the shareholders' money. It's been coming out of us being overchores on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, and the final part, of course, is the phone bill. The phone bill is, is a work of art that was designed to basically confuse you. The mm-hmm. charges on the phone bill, half of them are bogus. Half of them are actually revenue that go back to the companies, and they don't bother t- actually identifying that. The FCC line charge on everybody's bill is direct revenue back to the phone company. But they don't include it in the price of your package. So if you buy a package from Verizon, you suddenly, oh, why is it 25% higher than you told me on the phone when I, in the ad? <laughs> right, oh. exactly. And then they, they have the whole song and dance they talk you through. Well, you know, this is for this and that's for that. And and before you're too long, it's like your brain explodes because it's like $5. <laughs> hey. And for all that brain strain, it's hard to justify the 5 bucks. Exactly. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I've been. I think I've been talking a little too much. But no. um, let's um, let's answer another question. Has have, in your opinion, federal regulators become too reluctant to regulate? Uh, I have filed a. We filed. We filed with the FCC forty three times. We filed, uh, over the last 20 years, we filed nine times about the uh, quality of the data. And we filed last uh, three, five months ago a petition to close down the Technical Advisory Council and stop all, all investigations into the closing of the public switch telephone networks, which uh, the FCC basically looks like they've ignored. And, they, <laughs> and, and without, without a serious law firm going out and attacking these people, they're not going to do anything. Right now, what's going on is the one of the one of the commissioners is a former Verizon counsel. He has and uh, works for a law firm that handles the, the phone cable company phone companies, and he has basically worked has put together um, a position paper. It's helping AT and T push through the process of basically closing down <laughs> the networks. 
Um, he was congratulated by a guy named Fred Walden, who is basically on the House uh, Subcommittee on Telecommunications, whose largest contributors are the cable and phone companies. And at this point in time, the Technical Advisory Council, the majority of which is the group that's closing down the public switch telephone networks, uh, the, is is run by a guy named Tom Wheeler. Tom basically was the head of the Cable Association, and he was also the head of the Wireless Association. And they have put together a, a group of people of which the majority of the members of this group happen to have a financial, a direct financial relationship with AT&T and Verizon, who are also on this Technical Advisory Council. So if you ask me what's going on, we are, we are, there's a situation of regulatory capture that's way beyond anything that uh, you could say is normal. In fact, if you look at the Technical Advisory Council, the people who are, have a financial relationship with AT&T and Verizon have uh, revenues of about, I think it's $800 billion, where the other side, there's only seven of them out of 50, um, have about uh, one hundredth of the amount of money. And, or maybe maybe it's a one percent. I'm not really positive, or two percent. But it's basically um, it's basically so small that it's insignificant. And what's going on now? I have to give you my own perspective. I was on the FCC mm -hmm. Consumer Advisory Council, and as I was on the FCC Consumer Advisory Council, we do phone bill auditing. We looked at bills. We did a report about Verizon, and we were not allowed to present on the Truth and Billing panel our findings about Verizon. Now, this is 2003, and that's because Verizon was on the FCC Consumer Advisory Council Committee, and they're still on the committee. And seven or nine, I can't remember the exact number, of the members that were, that were nonprofits also had a financial relationship or were funded by AT&T and Verizon. So my feeling about – and we filed a complaint. They asked us not to come back to the committee. I wonder why. <laughs> and my feeling is, is this has been a problem for, for decades. Most people have not gone out and outed these people. And uh, the simplest example, there's a, got this group of uh, investors um, on the current Technical Advisory Council who are part of the Verizon 4G uh, investor group. And if you think they're going to go after Verizon and say we shouldn't – and they're all they're focused on wireless and, inter, and IP, and so they don't care about the wires. And so my feeling now is that the regulators – and when we talk about ALEC, ALEC has bought off whole uh, – you know, whole swaths of legislatures. Um, in every state that the, that the bills have been presented, the people who are presenting the bills not only get money from our members of ALEC, not only get money from the corporations, AT&T and Verizon, to put these bills forward, but they also get foundation money um, in their districts. So what you have is this, is this incredible interweaving of what I call deceptive practices. Where these companies don't don't you know they they may not flaunt that they're getting money from the companies or they're working with them, but nobody's at the FCC is looking at any conflicts of interest. To me, the, this would basically be you know these, half of these people should be, be off the committees, and there should be a rule that says everybody who has a financial relationship with the with the groups that are being regulated and who are, whose networks are being discussed shouldn't have a vote, and they shouldn't be on the committee. However, there's no and on the Technical Advisory Council, there's no consumers, there's no users, there's nobody who's actually standing up for the public, and so this has gotten out of hand, and uh, and this is the reason why the Alex thing is so scary because first they went to the states, now they're at the FCC with the exact same principles and to get rid of regulation, and and as of a couple of months from now they're going to be in Congress, 
And nobody has actually sort of, well, you know, we've been outing them. Nobody actually has the money to stand up to these guys. Because really it takes, you know, these guys are going to spend 10, 15, 20, 30 million dollars a year on basically closing down the, the public interest side. And our side has, you know, a couple of people like us talking on a podcast. So my feeling has been that, you know, th- this situation has gotten dire. And I usually don't use that word because um, it's a little too, you know, people always go, oh, you know, you're, you're, you you know, you keep screaming uh, wolf. And sometimes, you know, I said, well, every once in a while the wolf does show up. And at this point in time, uh, you know, the wolf is here. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, one of the one of the folks here in the uh, in, in the chat room for the show has brought up the point that um, <clears throat> there's a uh, fact that the, the shareholders, I gather, have no say on pay, which basically um, is another inhibiting factor. So, you know that they can't. <clears throat> if if you have activist shareholders, it's almost like they're being neutered <clears throat> within the organization. But, you know, based on its you know its its laws and so forth, just internally. Well, the the real the real gutting has been of the uh, of has been of the union guys. Um, you know, the, some of my articles that I've written writing for Huffington, basically a, lot, a number of the union guys called me and said, you won't believe what's happening. And that's because they were a part of a, a year and something long uh, uh, fight over their, over their pensions and all that other stuff. These guys basically um, have been cut in half as far as the number of people that actually work on the networks. Um, they, they, and, you know, of course, they've lost uh, various things in there uh, that everybody else has done, you know, in, in large corporations, getting rid of, you know, union perks and all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is the horror stories I hear about, you know, the network's not being upgraded. Um, and these guys go back to the, you know, go back to the, go back to the, uh, to the company and say, hi, you know, this stuff is, this shouldn't be going this way. And they don't listen to them at all. And, you know, they, they're the ones on the front line talking to the customers, and they show up at a house, and, uh, you know, they, they've been told to uh, mark down uh, whether or not they fi- whether they finish in a certain amount of time, and if they don't do it, they get penalized, so they, you know, they have to, so these people are jiggering the books on the, on the management level to make everything look good. And by the time you're done, because there's not enough staff to actually do the work, they're not, they don't have enough, they're not replacing any of the copper, so if it breaks... They'll put in little splices. <laughs> just putting a bunch of Band-Aids on and hiding the paperwork even for the Band-Aid distribution. Right, and, and you talk to these guys, and they're totally pissed. You know, they they go, you know, we really want to do our job, but we're not allowed to do it. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've heard this not from one guy, but from 35 or 40 different players who have written me over the last six months over this stuff. One of the things mm-hmm. that's going on is is basically, you know, this whole issue of who's getting built – you know, they, for example, one of the things that they said is sometimes lines break and they tell people to go to cable or go to wireless right now in certain states because mm-hmm. they're not going to fix the copper. They're just, you know, they're, oh, we're not, we're not allowed to fix the copper. We can't go out and do the new upgrade the copper, which is totally real. Or they push them onto uh, the fiber optic wire, Fios, without telling them, and then, they realize, then the customer finds out that they lost their DSL, which goes over the copper, and then they say, oh, you're now on a much better service, so we're going to charge you more. And you have to buy two services or three services instead of buying the one you had. And this is, this is we've been getting letters from, from, uh, also from you know, different uh, customers who are basically screaming and yelling about this. Um, mm-hmm. Verizon sent a letter to a lot of people saying, you know, you need to shift in New York. Because, and, uh, and if they don't shift... They basically just say, all right, well, you know, we, if 
your line breaks, sorry. <laughs> mm. And and some of this is illegal. I mean, you can't in some states you can't actually tell people to just not you know do the service. But they've been doing it. I know that this happened in Pennsylvania, a couple of places, where the uh, people one woman wrote me and said that uh, they got rid of her DSL, and they refused to go out and fix the line. Or, and if she doesn't go to FiOS, um, which is more expensive, which et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm I'm all for getting people wired, but I'm also for getting people wired for the utility and not basically for another service that the other company controls and controls the price and it has no competition over that wire. So mm-hmm. we're we're in a situation now where you know AT and T and Verizon aren't going to be upgrading whole whole areas of the networks. Nobody's going to be doing it. In fact, as you may know, Verizon cut a deal with the cable companies so that they can market right. the. Uh, so that means that Verizon isn't going to go into expand its current footprint of what it's offering. The big scandal that that's that's starting to stink that you may not know about is uh, some of the some of the uh, union guys have told me that uh, Verizon may be funding some of its build out of youth, of its uh, FiOS product with uh, money from Sandy, which. May or may not be I legal. A rumor about that somewhere. Um, well, actually, it was an article. It was. It was uh, that I kind of. Yeah, except for the, except those lines. Yeah, yes, ex- except for the fact that the accounting of that FiOS is not is an information service and a cable service it isn't supposed to be funded from the utility side of the business. <clears throat> and so, just just so you know how just so you know how bizarre it gets in two thousand and ten. Verizon New York claimed to have lost $2.2 billion in one year and took a $758 million tax savings in that one year. Now, the question is, is okay, you have Fios, how, you know, and you have all these rollouts. How could you be losing all this money? And the answer, if you look at the uh, – it was the last year that they actually did the books um, for the state. And essentially what I found was they were just manipulating all the data. And basically, they, the the U-verse part, I mean the FiOS part, wasn't paying back to the utility a uh, fair share of using the networks. So mm-hmm. it shows losses. Then they go back to the state and say, "Hi, we're losing all this money. Raise rates." <laughs> but isn't there documentation? I mean, this sounds like there's a paper trail in there. Is it that people don't know where I to said, find I, the paper trail? I, I believe that. Well, the paper trail is not available to the to us. It may exist. You'd have to go out and sue them and do it in discovery. Right. Which is which is I mean, like, where do you get your information? The last uh, the report I wrote, which was for the years 2009 2010, was the last year Verizon published its state based reports. Mm-hmm. And uh, I posted that the report, and basically it showed how the how the manipulation of all the numbers. And I, which was shocked me. And I thought the, the media would go crazy over this. I sent it to everybody. Nobody even got back to me. And the reason wow. being is, I think, and the reason I, well, I just wrote an article about the $14 billion and found out that virtually every major newspaper in the country had basically quoted the AT&T's uh, uh, headlines without actually investigating any of the numbers. Right. Well, so, you know, we're sitting in a situation where they've, they've uh, Stockholm Syndrome, they snowed the media so bad that they have no idea that, you know, that they've been snowed. So my take now is that we, we, you know, we of conscience and ethics and words like that need to be and accountability need to basically try to hold these guys accountable with more than just you know as and aggregate ourselves in a new you know and, and be forceful because at this point in time there's a Mack truck coming our way and we're basically you know at this point then we're roadkill. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, an island that popped up, I don't know if you've heard of this, datacoalition.org. Um, but they, they're an organization, I guess, that's looking for transparency tools uh, for, uh, for the federal government that they could also use for SEC-regulated firms as well. Uh, so I guess they're, they're trying to uh, figure out ways or figure out ways to come up with tools to help people tear some of the curtains off. Because it sounds like, you know, again, this, if, you, if you have the time to do the legwork, you can find and sort out a lot of this information. But unfortunately, the average person doesn't. And it makes things a little it makes things a little difficult. And now might be a good time to ask my question uh, about what are some practical tactics? What are some practical tactics, either as communities or as individuals, folks who who feel this is all wrong, who feel that you know all those subsidies that have produced you know zilch or worse than zilch in terms of you know better broadband is wrong. What are some real concrete things that people can do to uh, to fight back? Um, well, we're going to be setting up a site to do to do this in the next couple of months, uh, probably in the beginning of January. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's what we're doing. My take now is that people have to start engaging their senators and congressmen to call for investigations mm-hmm. and get the local get the mayor to write a note saying why aren't we wired. And you know, get the get the local community people to go, you know, to actually start doing some digging about what happened in their state. I mean, you know, I, I've been I've been doing this now for 21 years, and so my, my feeling is, is I've become very zen about it. Um, mm-hmm. But my feeling is, is other people have to, um, you know, climb on. I mean, there are people out there who are telling, you know, who are talking truth to power, like yourself or uh, Stop the Cap, um, who you mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, and my feeling is, though, you know, we have we have to do our job. But the truth of the matter is, it's now time to basically get other people to start asking those questions. You know, what happens in our? Why is our our state not wired? Why is our community not wired? Where did we did we actually pay for stuff we never got? And mm-hmm. I think most people haven't really started this. And then and then call the local media and say, why aren't you writing about this? Mm-hmm. I mean, most people haven't been bugging the, uh, the their the, you know the newspapers they read and saying you know excuse me I just saw this in uh, or heard this on the show and you know what's going on where you know, why why aren't you doing anything about this um, mm-hmm. you know we're, we're our our group is just you know a couple of <laughs> there's a gang of us we have about fifty five or sixty people around the country that basically sort of talk to each other and do things together but we're very um, I would, we're a loosely held uh, gang of, of people trying to actually make a difference. But I think it now has to expand because my concern is that we're losing these battles. These guys have uh, – Alec has taken a map of the United States, laid it out, and said, all right, which states are the easy, sweet spots we can go after first? And then uh, what should we do with the other you – know, let's spend more money and, and uh, go after these other states. And now it's basically, okay, now that we took care of you know, half of America, we'll go back to the FCC and the federal government and say, excuse me, you know, um, let's clean up the rest of the mess, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. from them. And, our side, and sounds- our side doesn't have any coordination on this. Mm-hmm. So we, we actually seems- – sorry. I was going to say, it seems like we have a couple of issues. I mean, we have a coordination issue of the people who are fighting on behalf of consumers because – Individually, it's just, it's just there's no contest. I mean, the only way to make a dent in the twenty to thirty million dollars being spent for lobbying efforts is some sort of coordinated effort. And I've, you know, I've been in touch with you know people here and there, 
And I think we agree in principle, uh, sometimes getting people at the table becomes a kind of an issue because not everyone shares to the same extent, right? There are people who will come in and say, okay, we, you know, we, we believe that there should be broadband everywhere. But you find out they're they're a suppose well they're a you know a, a an organization devoted to helping the little guy and gal, but they're taking money from AT and T as sponsorship because they need to be able to survive. Right. So yeah, they are you know they are identified as a group that's out helping you know certain communities and all that, but they're they're funded in such a way uh, that. They can't really be full on allies if the you know if the group sits around the table and says we've got to take action and we've got to draw blood. Well, no right. one wants to draw blood if that's the source of their their um, you know their financing. I mean, it's, it's sort and of that, the sad aspect of nonprofits. Well, at this point in time, many of the large nonprofits have just been paid off. The NAACP, for example, and a group called LULAC, which is a Hispanic group, basically have been just a pot, uh, co-opted. And we know this because they file every time on behalf of AT&T and Verizon, and they, they add the words, you know, the minorities, and then they basically say, but. And then they go into why, the, you know, the merger between AT&T and T-Mobile is good or why we have to get rid of broadband. This is not actually new. This has been going on now for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Those people basically need to be outed. We need to basically show where their money's coming from and basically talk to their constituencies who basically would get really, really annoyed if they knew that these people were basically taking the money from one side and then not talking about the rate increases that they've been getting or their failure to upgrade the networks. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, this is a serious problem. The second problem is the tech community, who basically at this point in time doesn't get the infrastructure issues. And many of them, for example, the Vaughn Coalition is working with ALEC, which is also part of the Technical Advisory Council, by the way, and working with Mm -hmm. Alec and basically going state by state to close down the networks. And a lot of the tech community um, doesn't quite understand these issues um, enough to basically say, you know, that they, oh, VOIP is important. And then the answer is, yeah, but how does it relate to the wire that you're not, you know, you're getting rid of? And so our job has to be to create educational places where we can talk to these people, get consensus, and do it step by step by getting the different groups to understand. Right now, we are going to be pitching the tech communities to to basically work with us to basically defeat the the thing in front of us, which is the ALEC-based legislation, the ALEC-based FCC stuff, and the ALEC-based state-based laws. Very straightforwardly, should you close down half of America and, and create digital dead zones? It doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense from an economic point of view. And those, I think, are things that if they say no, then we basically say, okay, why not? And, when, and if their answer is, you know, oh, you know. Now, you have to understand something. The other side is incredibly coordinated. They have right. guys who do messaging, and if you go to the state senator in the middle of Wisconsin or the state senator in the middle of, of uh, North Dakota or the nonprofit, they all say the exact same words with the same phrases. And their op-ed right. pages are being written by you know, a bunch of skunk works groups uh, that basically place their stuff with their names on it. Mm-hmm. And this stuff is so pervasive that basically our side has to point to them and say, excuse me, you, not, you, you represent you know, yourselves. And the second part is we, we as a group don't have um, this coordinated base. We, I mean, for example, the tech community doesn't talk to the people uh, who deal with telecom, nor do they talk to the, the people fighting Alec. 
it's just, or even even the competitors that are out there really haven't taken a position and actually stood up and said, "Excuse me, this is bad." So I think it's time to hold people accountable. And you know, mm-hmm. if, if it gets a little messy, um, that's fine because at this point in time, um, I think we don't really have a choice. I, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've I've been doing this a really long time. This is my thirty first year as a telecom analyst <laughs> and I got the uh, scars to prove it and my, my <laughs> and my position has been you know um, my position has been is I've never seen anybody try to get rid of uh, all telecommunications regulation before mm-hmm. and just strip bare um, anybody's rights I mean you have to understand if they control the wire they I don't know if you know, people know this Verizon is sued to get rid of net neutrality for example which is a, right, a, a buzzword for Right. However, if you had competition on the wire and you could choose your own internet provider, then if you if somebody blocked you on one place, you just go somewhere else. But you don't mm-hmm. have that option. And I think you know those kinds of things where Verizon, and Verizon is probably going to win against the FCC in the net neutrality fight because many many lawyers believe that Verizon, that uh, the FCC overstepped their boundaries in dealing with the issues of net neutrality. And this will probably come to play March, April, May, where uh, but but most most lawyers believe that the FCC has overstepped its bounds, and this means that not only will net neutrality be you know taken away, but the wire then is controlled by one company or two companies, and mm-hmm. and that wire. I mean, if if you look at what Verizon has done, Verizon in the areas that are going to be closed down, the only choice will be the cable company or nobody for a wired service, and when you talk to rural customers about how their cell phone service works as a replacement for wireline, they start screaming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I can't do it in my living room at all. Uh, when I go into my kitchen, I get disconnected, and I have a new antenna that I put up for the... You know, <laughs> now, now, so I'm my feeling is... You. Sorry. I was going to say, because um, we've got, we got five minutes, I do want to hit on this, because my Twitter feed is starting to go a little bonkers here. Uh, there's an announcement basically about the same time the show started that Seattle has worked out a deal with Gigabit Squared and some other folks to build a Gigabit network, basically going around ISPs. And, in fact, the um, there's a gigaohm, uh, you know, write-up on this whole thing about, you know, they're basically looking at Kansas City and saying we can we can do this, you know, granted with the, with the uh, right partner. Now, considering the size of Kansas City, and we're talking both Kansas cities, considering the size of Seattle, right. um, can we hope for? Is there is there cause for hope that these efforts can maybe change the tide? Um, I would love to think that. I have been doing this, as I said, for. Th- you know, a long time. Right now, what Kansas City represents is a test, um, which is expensive, where mm-hmm. Google has gotten a lot of concessions from the city, and that basically um, you have a bunch of cheerleaders who are leading the charge who wanted this. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there was a real interest in the, from certain people in the public, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. there was a sort of frenzy for it. Um, most places don't have that. And they don't have Google, but you know, has incredibly deep pockets um, and everything else. As I said, as I wrote about Google, the other thing is, okay, they design megabit, they design gigabit services. Um, excuse me, but who else in the United States can use them? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, you have to understand. The, the problem really is somebody like AT and T, who has 22 states that they have not upgraded and are still based on copper. 
and can't do uh, and can't do upstream speed for for cloud or basic basic uh, services. And you know when they close these areas down while they're screaming about VOIP, if you don't have broadband, you can't use VOIP because it requires at least you know eighty to one hundred and twenty k. So from my perspective, I would love to that, to believe that Google would be the shining example and that everybody would suddenly go, we have to Googleize. But I don't believe that's going to happen so fast. And I also believe it's a very long hoe to actually start going after rights of way and all that kind of stuff. Um, whereas my feeling has been that you know the companies that are already there, the incumbents, there is a wire, just replace it. And if you haven't replaced it, why not? And asking, and and I I want my cho- I want a choice of a competitor over that wire. Why don't I have a choice? I paid for the wire. Why is you know why am I why? How do I put this? We need to flip the argument around to basically make it customer centric instead of corporate centric. And mm-hmm. this it, it, Google, I'd love. I, I love, for example, I mean you know we 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 both know that there's a, a bunch of other cities that have gone uh, Chattanooga that are you know going high speed. That's great, and I think that it has to happen. But from a point of view of overall policy, um, a some states have closed down the idea that, that the municipalities can do anything. So right. you know, if Google doesn't make, if Google Google is an independent, it can do what it wants. But on the other side, is you know they go, they'll get sued immediately as soon as they show up in some of the towns. And uh, so and Google has enough money to fight the lawyers. But the truth of the matter is, is um, I, from my perspective, most customers don't understand broadband, much less care. It's a utility to them. It's a service. They just want it to work, and they just care about the speed enough to do what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Us in the industry see the harms in its lack of economic growth, its uh, lack of innovation, it's all that stuff. But a lot of the customers that I talk to, you know, they buy the triple play. They go, oh, I could have gotten this one or I got that one. And that was it. And they don't really see the harms or the other stuff. So my feeling about Google is, I would love Google to be, uh, you know, a large flag in the middle of the, uh, you know, of the fight, and basically, you know, people follow it. But I don't see that happening, unless, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, Google could stand up to the plate, unless Google starts getting aggressive about making statements about this stuff, which they mm-hmm. have not done. Google could. Google has enough money to go SOPA. say. Sorry. I was going to say it's yeah. like with, with the whole SOPA thing. I mean, basically, no one gave a rat's behind about SOPA until. Google stepped up and said, okay, we're against this, and we're shutting down for a day. And then all right. of a sudden, you know, it's like the world moved. You know, it was right. like a major eclipse of the universe. And people right. stood up and, I mean, people, I mean, some people thought it was soup, right? Because, you know, that's the Spanish word for soup is soup. <laughs> and so in any event, you know, but it was, but it was Google. Right. I mean, I was surprised because when Google did this, people I know who have zero interest in technology, I mean, zero Right. writing about it in their Facebook posts and whatnot. And they had no idea what the word SOPA meant. And I've discovered after doing an autopsy of this that basically was, they're fucking with the Internet. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, that's how, that is, it's, it, if you ask about messaging, that was the message. You know, and those and, and that pretty much got people's eyeballs and boom. And, and right. then in their hearts and the tempest started to flow. Well, we're we're just about out of time. This has been a very good live conversation. Um, as one of I my listeners uh, has said that, you know, we, we should probably package up this particular broadcast and use it as part of the education campaign, you know, come, come 2013. 
But, right. uh, you know, and, and I, I can see where, you know, we got to definitely unify a lot of voices, you know, so that we're not just individual voices in the wind, but we're more coordinated to really try to bring this issue to the forefront from the perspective of the consumer. So right. for this, Bruce, I thank you. I'll, you know, I'll be following your stuff. And, um, well, I thank you, too. I had a great time. No worries, no worries. We have a great day. And to all our listeners, thank you very much for uh, being here. Stay engaged. We've got a couple more good shows uh, coming up for the holidays uh, break. So take care. Have a great day. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. Take care. Bye.